Good morning. Happy Resurrection Sunday, a.k.a. Easter, Chocolate Day, all that kind of stuff. But this is a wonderful day in our calendar if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And if you're not, you just get to be part of the journey. Hey, if you're visiting with us for the very first time, might be a little different than you expected. That's all right. Just if at any time you need to put your head between your knees and breathe, just feel free to do that. There's Something will drop from the ceiling. Help yourself first. No, it's all right. It's going to be great, I think. Yeah, it's going to be great. We'll get all my stuff up here. People wonder what that is the whole time. Well, you know, this is a great day, and it's a day, if you'll look around, this is the, probably the fullest Sunday of every uh, church calendar year, because some of you haven't been for a while, we're glad you're here, and, we, and people got invited, all kinds of things, and so what we like to do at Easter is because everybody's here, it's a unique Sunday, uh, everybody has different schedules, but somehow we make it work on Easter Sunday, and so there's a little card, can you get your little card out there? And what we'd love you to do, if you're able to, if you'd like to, be willing to, is we just want to update our information. Uh, now, anytime somebody wants my information, I get nervous. So you put down your Hotmail address that you had when you were nine. Yeah, cuddlybunny at hotmail.com or, you know, all that. But really, in all sincerity, uh, we will not spam you. You may get one email from us, which has an unsubscribed thing on it, and you'll be able to do that. Uh, but it'll help us update our information if you're a first-time guest, that kind of thing. Um, and then if there's the next part at the bottom of it says, if I have a prayer request, and we would love to pray for something that's uh, going on in your life or your family. You don't have to uh, be a part of our church. We'd just love to pray for you, our staff. And we have weekly prayer times as well for our, with uh, different people in the church. We'd love you to do that. And then there's a question. If you flip it over to the other side, if you would, there's two questions. Uh, one is, I'd like to hear a future message or messages about what the Bible says. And there's a bunch of topics there. Uh, you know, it'd be really helpful for us. It helps us. Uh, I don't always do a series on this, but last year when we did this, uh, it enabled me to know and helped me direct what we were going to preach on over the next year. And uh, so if you, uh, you know, sex and sexuality, the Holy Spirit, forgiveness, stress, there's a whole bunch of things. Any of those that you would like to hear a message or in a message, just check the box. And if there's one that's not on there, uh, that would be, you could, that's of interest to you, put it on there. And then finally, at the very top of there, if there's a city or a place that you would uh, like to see Horizon Church start another campus or another uh, church location, just fill that in. And you can start and do that right now, and it'd be wonderful. And as you're doing it, I'm going to dive in to our topic this morning. We all know Good Friday happened, uh, just this Good Friday. And Friday was the day where Jesus was crucified. Saturday was the day in between, the day of waiting, the day of wondering what would happen. And today we're on Resurrection Sunday, and we're going to pick up the story after the crucifixion, after Saturday's waiting, and on Sunday morning, after the Sabbath ended. That's the day of rest. I think we're going to put them up on the screen. Yeah. At the first light of dawn on the first day of the week. I'll just take a moment. I'm a morning person, and I just want you all to know that the morning people were there first. The morning people were there to see Jesus. The most dedicated were the morning people. All three of us. So, good. We would, that's why it doesn't say there was 500 of them. There was like four. Like Hundreds of people, four came. Like Anyway, it's the same story today. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to take a look at the tomb. Suddenly, the earth shook violently beneath their feet as the angel of the Lord Jehovah descended from heaven. Lightning flashed around him, and his robe was dazzling white. The guards were stunned and terrified, lying motionless like dead men. 
don't move. Then the angel walked up to the tomb, rolled away the stone, and sat on top of it. Now, the women were breathless and terrified until the angel said to them, there's no reason to be, and let's all say that word together, there's no reason to be afraid. I know you're here looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen victoriously just as he said. Come inside the tomb and see the place where the Lord was lying. We got It's a little bit longer passage, but we'll get there. Then run and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. I give you this message. I am going ahead of you into Galilee, and you will see me there. They rushed quickly to tell his disciples, and their hearts were deep in wonder and filled with great joy. And they go on. Along the way, Jesus suddenly appeared in front of them and said, Rejoice! Rejoice! They were so overwhelmed by seeing him that they bowed down and grasped his feet. That's a hard word to say. Grasped his feet in adoring worship. Then Jesus said to them, Throw off all your fears. Throw off all your fears. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. They will find me there. Don't be afraid. Nothing to be afraid of. Throw off all your fears. Fear not. Now, fear, most of us have fear that in some areas, some that we let out, others that we're not sure that we'll let anybody know. But I want to find out how you stack up in your fear quotient or, uh, compared to what everybody else in Canada. Uh, Angus Reid did a poll, an online poll, about 2,500 Canadians. Uh, what do you think um, the top fear is of men? What do you think the top fear is of women? So you can go. We want your help right now. Go to horizonfam.ca and click Easter poll. Pick the number one fear of man and the number one fear of women. And the number one fear of men is not women. It's not one of the choices. It's all right. <laughs> and so some of the ones that you're going to select from, if you don't want to go there on your smartphone, that's fine. Snakes, heights, and confined spaces for men. One of those is the top one. For women, snakes, spiders, and natural disasters. Some of us have reason to be afraid of confined spaces. I grew up in a large family with older brothers, and they told me one day that it would be exciting if, they would, uh, if I would allow them to fold me up in the height of bed. I thought that sounded great, be warm and cuddly and cozy, and that they would let me out at the end. They, we will let you out. They failed to define the time of how long before they would let me out. So I have a little bit of an issue around confined spaces. Therapy and all that will eventually work its way through. You, you'll be going there and working on that. I'm filling some time here while you're going to click on it because we want to we want to get this here in a moment. You know, my wife says that I'm afraid of skydiving, just because she's willing to do it. I call it wisdom. She can call it fear all she wants. It's wisdom. This morning, some kids should be afraid of their Easter eggs. My sister-in-law, you know, the little Cadbury cream eggs with the yolk in it, she cut it apart, took out that nice cream, yellowy cream, and she put in mustard and put it back together. So there's going to be some kids this morning whose whole Trust level of their mother will be shattered by in one moment, just like that. Fear will come in their life. They'll be ever, forever changed. You'll never look at an Easter egg the same. Can you imagine that, Cadbury? You're so excited for it. You get mustard, especially if it's like French mustard or something like that. But here we go. We're going to continue on in our story, and we'll, we'll figure out at the, a little bit further along here what the answers were. All right. 
So Easter Sunday is a great day of celebration if you're looking back at it. If you were there waiting for it or didn't expect it or were going on the way to the tomb, it wasn't a great day. It was a day of sorrow. It was a day of sadness. It was a day of fear because everything that you had hoped for in life and and the man that you had chosen to give your life for and follow was done. And in particular, this woman, Mary Magdalene, she's an interesting story. She is one that the Bible says that Jesus did an incredible miracle in her life and cast out seven uh, spirits out of her and set her free. And she also, because she was incredibly uh, encountering Jesus, she was the one who took some perfume, and it was a special kind of perfume. It was a way of saving for her future. She took that perfume and poured it out all over Jesus as an offering to him, as an act of worship. And so she was all in. She was not hanging out at the back. She was not just observing on every second time that he went by. She was all in with her life, everything. And so she realizes that this man who had, she had given everything for, the man that she had promised her life to serve, who had done miracles in her life, was gone. He was dead. His life was done. And as they're processing this, as they're going over and over in their mind what had happened, uh, the crucifixion and the beating and and then putting into a tomb and, and waiting and wondering, and they were coming as they went through that disappointment, as they processed their pain, they came that morning to, again, because they're the morning people, they're getting there first. And they got there and they were processing their pain and wondering what would go on. And suddenly, earthquakes and lightning and thunder and an angel. And again, more fear. Like, I thought Friday was out of order. I didn't know what was going on on Saturday. And here on Sunday, everything is chaos. And I don't know what's going to go on from now. What is going on? Terrified, reeling. And as she surveys the situation in fear, The message of Easter rings out of heaven. And an angel says, there's no reason to be afraid. I know you're here looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen victoriously, just as he said. Come and see the tomb and see where he was lying. And then they run off to tell the others. And on the way, they encounter the very person of Jesus. And as they fall down and worship, Jesus himself says, throw away or throw off all your fear. Wow. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Throw off all your fears. I know there was an unexpected turn in your life. Throw off your fears. I know that situations are not ideal in your, in your life right now. I know what's going on in the world. Throw off all your fears. Are we, all right, we, 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 we're going to see what men fear them. The number one fear. Okay, again, can we pick different colors? I am color deficient. They should be like black and like white and then off-white. Okay, so 55.4% of you believe that men's number one fear is confined spaces. 32.3, I think that's heights. Is that the other one? And then snakes is... In actual fact, the number one fear of men, big tough men, is snakes. Yeah, Yeah, that's the number one fear. 40-something percent, 43, 44 percent of men, of 65 percent. 
I think this is the wives picking this one. Okay, what's the number one fear of women in Canada? Look at five more people. Women were more efficient on this. Okay, what is the 64.3%? Is that spiders? Okay. And then we have natural disasters, and then we have snakes. Again, the number one fear of women in Canada is not spiders. It is in my house, but it's not spiders. It's actually snakes. Number two, in a very, very point eight behind them, is spiders, and then natural disasters comes in at number three. So fear, we all have fear. You know you... Sometimes fear is legitimate. You know you've had a bad day that you could be fearful with when you are driving down the road and your horn gets stuck right behind 32 hell angels, hell's angels bikers. You know, it's a bad day when your twin sister forgets your birthday. It's true. Some of you just got that. Just like, whoa, whoa. Ah. <laughs> You know, it's a bad day, and this is really true, that it costs more to fill your car with gas than you originally paid for it. That's this week. I think it's going over a buck sixty. they say. My first car was $50, for real, a 1973 Honda Civic, $50. But I didn't buy it in 73, but that's another story. Days, some days, though, are not funny like that. Some days are days that... Begin with a report from the doctor of a prognosis for a disease that you never dreamed that you would have. Days when you find out that your spouse is cheating on you. Days when you find out the company you started is heading towards bankruptcy. Days when you're struggling just to hold on to your identity and hold on to what's happening in your life. And all of us are faced with the question of fear at various times in our life. And we'll turn your attention to the screen. Ever since the Creator parted the seas and created dry land, we have had a place to stand in the midst of chaos. The chaos that threatens to swallow us whole. The chaos that threatens our families, finances, and freedom. In the midst of eternal darkness, God said, Let there be light. Let there be a light in the sky so that you and I can see the path set before us. You see, even though the seas of chaos surround us, God is creating dry land. Even though darkness envelops us, God said, let there be. Let there be light. Let there be hope. Let there be peace. Because in Jesus was life, and the life is a light for us all. And the light shines in the midst of the darkness, and the darkness has never overcome it. So when chaos threatens, we look down at the ground beneath our feet, knowing that God has made a way for us. When the darkness seems to be closing in, we look to the light, knowing that the darkness has never overcome it. When the weapons of chaos are formed against us, when worry and anxiety try to shake the ground beneath us, we know they cannot prosper because we have heard the voice that whispers to the depths of our souls, Fear not. And to all of us, the word of Easter is again, do not be afraid. Throw off your fear. Fear not. Why fear not? 
Because there's a story ending that his power, there is no ending his power cannot rewrite. And sometimes in the middle of your story, there's been chapters that have been terrible that you think will define the rest of your life. One of my uncles, who liked to read a lot, he had this little thing that he would do. He would take a book and he would read the last two chapters before he started because he wanted to find out if it was going to end good. And if it didn't end good, he just would throw the book away. But life isn't like that. You can't, you don't always know what the end of the story will be. You're just in your chapter. And that's all you see some days. See, some of us have had a bad chapter where we're disappointed at the negative outcome of something that we had invested our life in. Some of you are going through a chapter of unexpected loss. Some of you are in a chapter where, or have lived in a chapter where you've done time. Some of us have been in a chapter where the person that you thought had committed themselves to you for the rest of their life has abandoned their marriage vows. Some of you are in a chapter where the pride of unforgiveness has broken relationship with other people. Some of us are in a chapter where you were or you are processing the grief of someone else's addiction. Stinging. Some are in a chapter where the sting of rejection over your struggle, over your issue is painful. And now, all that is done, all that stuff has done is rattled you and some days you feel like the Hot breath of fear is breathing down on you. In fact, in Canada, they tell us that at any given time, mood and anxiety issues are affecting over 3 million Canadians at any given time. Fear of lack, fear of being alone and never meeting that right person that so long to have, fear of the future, fear of a financial Disaster, fear of relational breakdown, fear of people discovering the issue that I really struggle with, fear of a situation that it will never turn around. And sometimes we attempt to manage those things in healthy ways. Maybe we'll exercise or maybe we'll go see a therapist or whatever it might be. Other times we manage it less healthily. We'll go after alcohol to help ease the anxiety or some other drug to help make it work so that I can get through my day. Others will bury themselves in work and, and we pat them on the back, but all it is is struggling to try and fill a fear of lack and a fear of never having enough. And so we bury ourselves in our work. Others will spend themselves to try to placate the anxiety that's feeling and Hounding on the inside. Well, others will isolate themselves and experience more pain from that isolation than they ever would have from the rejection that they were isolating themselves and protecting themselves from. And the message and the hope of Jesus rings out. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Throw off your fears. It's not over until he says it's over. 
Just because you're in a bad chapter doesn't mean that the rest of your life is going to end in a bad ending. It doesn't mean because the struggle that you're facing right now is threatening to overwhelm you that it has to overwhelm you. You've had pain, you're in wondering, and you know there's a promise and you're waiting in confusion. Then Jesus says, fear not, it's not over. When you've had a setback and you're wondering if there ever will be a comeback, Jesus says, fear not, it's not over. And when you're waiting and wondering if the scales of life that seem to be tipped so far into the negative will ever be able to be brought back to positive, and you can sit there and wonder, but I can tell you today that Jesus says, fear not, it's not over. The chapter that you're in does not have to define the rest of your life. That's the story and the power of Easter. There is no ending. His power cannot write, rewrite. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead in Romans 8, and I think it's around verse 11, says that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will quicken your mortal body. In other words, it will cause dead things to come alive in your life. The power of Easter, the power of the resurrection, the power of God himself is the power that can cause dead dreams to come alive. It can cause hope to come spring eternal. It can cause life to come where there is no life. It can answer questions that you don't even know you have. That's the power of the story of Easter. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead shall quicken, shall bring to life, shall cause to begin to percolate where there has no business percolating. That's the power of the gospel, the power of Jesus. And when every effort of your life seems to come up snake eyes, it's not over. When your best doesn't seem to be good enough, the power of Easter says it's not over. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead doesn't only say that. It also says that there is no ending. His power can't rewrite. It also says that there is no pain that his power cannot heal. You see, in this story where Mary came and it says she had come and and she was down and she was discouraged and what's going on? Why fear not? There is no pain. His power cannot heal. They rushed quickly to tell his disciples. And their hearts were deep in wonder and filled with great joy. She had been afraid and something had happened that took her from a place of fear. And suddenly she began to see with wonder at what God was doing. And she began to be filled with great joy because she realized that the story was not over. In fact, the pain that threatened to overwhelm her, that the power of Easter meant that there is no pain that his power cannot heal. They had great sorrow, and they wondered what God was doing. But Jesus gets your pain because Good Friday is a day of pain. Good Friday is a day where Jesus willingly went to the cross. The Bible talks about that Jesus bore our curse upon him. He was bruised for our sin. He was crushed for our iniquity, our sin, our wrongdoing, but he went willingly for us. And there's many in this room that have pain, and Jesus gets it. Jesus understands it. There are not just a momentary pain, but a pain that causes you to wince on the inside, and sometimes what the pain that's on the inside causes anger to come out. It causes frustration to come out. It causes lashing out to come back out. It causes withdrawal to happen. 
And there's all kinds of pain, physical pain, where there's a diagnosis that you've got and you're struggling through with arthritic things that are hurting you. There's pains of arthritis and diabetes and all kinds of physical pain that people struggle with. There's emotional pain, and sometimes this is the pain that's the hardest to see, but often the most affecting us, where we process the losses of life, the hits, the hurts, the infertility, the struggle that nobody sees is going on on the inside. And then there's relational pain. If you have ever been around family and you have been around people and you've been in life, you are going to be hurt in relationship. Abandonment, fighting, betrayal, divorce, all kinds of issues. And we carry pain. But the story of Easter and the power of Easter is that there is no pain that his power cannot heal. And Jesus went through the pain at the cross. The pain of your biggest loss, fear not, he's there. The pain of your deepest disappointment, fear not, he's there. The pain of the dark night of your soul that nobody else sees, but you see and keeps you awake at night, he's there. I was sitting at a downtown at a breakfast, and a guy sitting beside me is a a financier, global financier, multimillionaire, the guy across the table, another millionaire, billionaire, and there it was a spiritual thing. And they were like, How do you get up there every week? Because when I see you up on the front, pastors look like they have no problems. I was like, oh, Go ask my wife. Like, come on. He said, do you have any difficulties? Like, what, what kind of goes? Like, he thinks I, like, was, like, harps and, like, on the clouds already, like, strumming away. And I said, yeah, I've had pain. I've had the pain of betrayal. I've had the pain of significant loss. I've had people in my family that took their own life. I've had it where I've had to lost my job. I've had all those kind of things. And I can tell you today, and I'm not telling you that to say, oh, it's poor Craig. I'm telling you that today because the, the power of Easter means that there is, there is no pain that his power cannot heal. There's no pain his power cannot heal. But sometimes in the midst of it, Jesus quiets the pain of the storm for you. Other times, Jesus quiets the pain of the storm in you, and the storm rages on. And another time, Jesus always redeems the pain of your storm. Whether it ends right now, or you keep walking through it and he's working with you, Jesus always redeems the pain of your storm. So you're not going through something that Jesus can't turn around. In fact, the Bible says that what the enemy intended for evil to destroy your life, Jesus can turn around for your good. And in Romans 8, it says that Jesus can cause all things to work together for your good in your life. And something that seemed like it's going to destroy your life today, as you commit it to Jesus, there is, there is no pain that his power cannot heal. And sometimes... We don't get this, but sometimes we're not just what we see. There will come a day when we stand before God and he will wipe away every tear from your eyes. There will be no more death. There will be no more mourning. There will no, be no more crying. There will be no more pain for the old thing, the old order of things has passed away. That's the hope of the gospel. That's the power of the gospel that causes there is no pain that his power cannot heal. One of my daughters was inviting one of her friends to come to church, and they, that person said, well, but church is for people who've got it all together. Just look around. We all know that ain't true. 
But this is the favorite part of the Easter story. There is no person his power can't restore. There is no person his power can't restore. I love what Jesus said to Mary. He said, go tell my brothers, go tell my disciples, I'm going ahead of you into Galilee, and you will see me there. Now, that just doesn't seem like that big of a deal to you, maybe, as we read it here. But these guys weren't there that, that moment because they were the ones that were the first to run. They were the ones that betrayed him. They were the ones that denied him. They were the ones who doubted him. And he says, been through all that. I see them. I see their mess up. I see their screw up. There is no person his power can't restore. Yeah, but I'm, I, doesn't it sound a lot like us, the real us? The real us. Where's my water? The real us. See this, if you want it, can everybody kind of see that? All right. This is kind of like the totality of our life. Thank you. Perfect. And it's, as we go through life, it's, things start to land in our life or that start to, cloud who we are and what we look like. Our sin, the adultery, the bad thinking, our sinfulness, thank you, our jealousy, our unforgiveness, our confusion, our sinful reaction, and soon it just starts to define, and that's what people see in our life, and then we start, we start to hide in shame because of what we've done or what's been done to us, and we fear exposure of our failures. We fear judgment for our sin. We, we fear rejection for our brokenness. We fear Jesus himself, that that's all that my life will be defined by. And all the stuff that where once we were in one beautiful spot, our life as we go along, is that's what defines our life. When people look at us, that's the thing that we, they see. They see the, the issues that you project, the fear that you walk in, that you think nobody sees. And it causes you to withdraw. It causes you to react. It causes you to do all the things that we started and talked about at the beginning. And so we see the Bible says this. It says that we are, most of us, I think, intuitively are aware of this fact that the Bible says that says that the wages of sin is death. In other words, there's a gap between what I am and what God calls me to be. God is pure. God's holy. And the only way to him is perfection. And so the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. It says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Yeah, the person beside you. Yes, you. Yes, me. And intuitively, we know we're in trouble and we're conscious of our brokenness and we see the issues that we struggle with and we see all the stuff that we wish wasn't there, but we're very aware of it being there. And so most of us, what we try and do is we try to do things to deal with what we see on the surface. We try to deal with the stuff. We try to maybe, if I do enough on the good side of the scale, if I do enough to deal with my stuff with my own ability and we start in this thing of striving and doing and we're working and we're 
got to get better and I've got to try harder and I've got to do more. And what happens is that all of our efforts, nothing really changes. We find ourselves again back where we were when it all started. Do this, do that, do this, don't do this, do this. And we get an external thing that has no internal change, which is where life flows from, from the inside out. We can look good on the outside, smile lots, have everything all in order in our life, but only you know what's really going on on the inside of you. Only you know what the struggle is. Only you know what the issues are. But there is no person that his power can't restore. See, where Christianity is a little different is it, doesn't, it says you can't do enough to make yourself acceptable to God. No matter how hard you try, you can't change yourself. Christianity says because of Jesus, it's no more due. Because of Jesus, it's done. In fact, on the cross, you might have read this or heard it in Sunday school at the cross. Jesus says it is finished. Everything's paid. The debt's paid. It's all done. And it says this in Romans chapter 5. You see, at just the right time, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. When we had no ability to deal with the issues, the fear, the struggles, the hidden things that nobody sees, at just the right time, when we were powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Not the people that had it all together, not the people that looked all perfect, but in fact, that while we were yet sinners, while we were ungodly, while we had wanted nothing to do with God, he said, that's all right, I still love you. And in fact, I love you so much, I'm going to show you this love. I'm going to show you while you were still a sinner, I'm going to send my one and only son to die for you. You don't have to love me. You don't have to like me. I'm going to do it. I'm going to initiate and bring my love into your life, and it's going to change everything. So you've been trying and trying and trying. But there's this beautiful scripture. In, it says in Romans 5 and 5 that God's love has been poured into our hearts. And God, as we begin to allow and give place for God, God's love to begin to work in our life. He begins to move. And things that you could never, ever deal with, things that you could never, he begins to bring them to the surface. And he begins to show you what his power of his love can do. And he just keeps pouring it out. And you say, well, if I would just try a little harder and work a little harder. And see, this is where some people stop in their Christian walk is God begins to bring things to the surface. And they're like, I can't deal with it. It's too much. But God said, I, I want you to keep on rolling in it. See, the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus so that the love of God can be poured out on you. You see, God put all, all, the, all the wrath of God was visited on Jesus so that the love of God can be poured on you. Another scripture is powerful. It says that perfect love drives out, displaces all fear. All fear. Fear of tomorrow, fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of loss, fear of abandonment, fear of loneliness, fear of never having enough. And it just keeps going and going and going. God's love. You know what's one? And even when it comes back every once in a while and that fear tries to land on you, it's just right there on the surface and just like, it's done. I'm not going to deal with that no more. You see, God's love is poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. 
who's been given to you. The wrath of God has been poured out on Jesus. The wrath that I deserved. So that the love of God could be poured out on me. And that the beauty of what God always intended for my life would not be marred any longer by the sin, the failure, the fear, the struggle of what is always going on on the inside of every one of us. That's the power of the love of God. And in fact, the Bible says this incredible thing. We sometimes think that, that God is there like some big guy in the sky ready to pull the wings off of a fly. But the Bible says that God is rich in mercy and abounding in love. It says that he sent his one and only son not to condemn the world, which most of us think that he did. In fact, Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. He says in John 3 and 17, God did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world, but to be its savior and rescue it. We expected rejection. He brought love. We expected condemnation. He brought salvation. We expected abandonment. He brought relationship. We expected death. He brought life. Didn't say get all cleaned up before I start working on you. Just allow me to begin to work on, on the inside. Well, but I got to, no, you don't have to. Because there is, Easter tells us that the, his power is so amazing that there is no person that his power cannot restore. That person right beside you, you, your spouse, that family member, there is no person that his power cannot restore. Nobody is too far gone. Not far off. We talked about it last week. That God is a lot closer to people than you think. He's a lot closer than you think. And he's not looking to grab you and catch you and kick you. He's brought to restore you. To put your life back together. To bring you. And some of you say, Craig, my life is fine. Your life is fine now. When you let Jesus begin to lead your life. You're going to a whole new level. You're going to, God's going to not only deal with your destination where and settle that once and for all where you're going to be, but he's also going to deal with your journey. See, Easter is this incredible opportunity for a brand new day. Good Friday, pain, Saturday, wondering, and Sunday, all things new. The Bible says that old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's what Jesus does. He did not just come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. We're dead in our sins. We had no way to change ourselves. But God poured out, poured out, poured out, poured out. And Easter power does what you and I never could. It reconciles us to God. Easter is not meant to, though, to be a one-time thing. Easter is meant to change your life. As much as it's on Sunday, it's meant to change your Mondays and your Tuesdays and your Wednesdays and your 2018s and your 2019s and the, forever the direction of your life. Because it does not just take care of your destination but also changes your journey. See, Easter power brings purpose to the wanderer who doesn't know where their life is headed. It also brings purpose to the wanderer who's been wandering since that incredible, painful situation that's just rocked your world. Easter power still makes the impossible possible. It's not over till he says it's over. Easter power still restores 
marriages. Easter power still heals addiction. Easter power still speaks to identity of who you are. Easter power still breaks addiction. Easter power still turns isolation into family. Easter power still breaks anxiety and in exchange gets given victory. And in Jesus, there is Easter power available to every one of us. As the worship team is coming, we're almost done. You're almost, you've made it. We're in, coming into landing. There is Easter power available to us to do what we didn't believe was possible. What we didn't believe was possible, God did. What we could never fix, Jesus did. What we could never heal, Jesus is in the business of healing. What we could never put back together, we're like Humpty Dumpty. Jesus can put back together. It's the power of Easter is not Sunday morning. The power of Easter is every day, every situation, every family. Just in the next few moments, if we can have nobody moving around, it'd be fantastic. We're just almost done. Because Philippians 3 and 10 and 11, I'm just going to read that to you. It says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Easter is not meant to be a one-time thing. It's meant to be experienced personally. It's not meant to be known about. It's meant to be experienced. Like, you can read about marriage. You can talk about it. You can read all studies about it. But you don't know marriage until you marry. The good, the bad, the ugly, the difficult, the wonderful, the victory, all of that. You don't know it till you experience it personally. And Paul says in this writing, he says, I want to know Christ. I want to know and be in relationship with Jesus so that I can experience, see it there, his power. I want to know Christ. He is the pathway to experiencing Easter power. It's not try harder. It's not be good. It's not do good. It's Jesus, I invite you to be the forgiver and leader of my life. I invite you to change my todays and forever alter my future, my life direction. If you want to grab that card that you filled out earlier, and there's uh, four little boxes at the bottom, A, B, C, D, and we're going to refer to them in a moment. So how do you do this? You can't have any of this of what we talked about. Easter power. Easter power that says that there is no person his power can't redeem, can't restore. There is no pain that his power can't heal. There is no story ending that his power can't rewrite. You can't get any of that until you know Christ. When you know Jesus, he begins to take you on a journey of making your dead things come alive. It begins a journey, but it begins with a decision. It's not a church decision. It's not whether you're going to come to this church. It's a Jesus decision. 
Only one thing that can help you and I is to know Jesus. And whether you've known him for 10 minutes or you've never known him or this is like all brand new or you've walked with him for 50 years, this is a revelation that we must get. Our source of our power is not ourselves. It's Jesus. We don't change a city. It's Jesus. We don't change our marriages. It's Jesus. We need the help of heaven. And of course, we have our part to play. And I don't uh, let me communicate that it's just you do nothing you cooperate with Jesus and suddenly everything changes I want to know him because only Jesus can bring life to your dead things only Jesus can rewrite the ending of your story only Jesus can heal the pain that is seen and unseen and only Jesus can restore you I want to know him I don't want to just know about him I want to know him I want to experience him and resurrection power in my life the only one thing is a decision today. It's time. It's time for Easter power to be released in your life. It's, it's time for Easter power to be released in your today and in your tomorrows. And they're at the box, those little boxes at the bottom. If everybody can get them out, whether you've been here for 10 minutes or you've been here uh, for 40 years, just with the, the lights are as best as we can. So in the boxes, you can click, tick, tick one of the boxes where you're at. A is I'm already in a real relationship with Jesus. B would be, I'm beginning a real relationship with Jesus today. Or if you're not, just maybe you've been, walked with Jesus at one time in your life and you're saying, Craig, I'm coming back. I'm beginning again a real relationship with Jesus. Or C, I'd like to consider it a bit more first. You say, I've, I've heard some things today that disturbed me a little bit or challenged me. And I know that I'm going to consider this and I'm going to come back next week or whatever it is. But I'm, I'm on a journey and I'm, I'm seriously considering this. D, and this one, I don't ever intend on making that decision. That's all right. We're going to pray for you. Even if you don't like it, we're going to pray for you. But Because why would you care? You don't believe it. I don't ever intend on making that decision. I'm already, I'm beginning, I'm considering. I don't. So just take a moment. I'm going to give you a minute or two to check the box. Work on your card. And when you're done, just bow your head and I'll know that you're done. That's how I'll know. When you're done, just bow your head and then we'll know you're done. Lord, I pray for those that are contemplating a step right now, Lord Jesus. They're ready to go from where they are to where they could be. That are ready to say, I want to know Christ and experience His power and His love. All I have to do is believe. I can never receive until I believe. Lord, I pray you'd help in our unbelief. And if you're ready and you check B, pray this prayer in your heart. Thank you for sending Jesus to die in my place. If you checked B, just pray that along in your heart with me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die in my place. And just personalize it for a minute. Jesus, forgive me for living my life without you. Jesus, take my life. I surrender everything to you. Be the forgiver and the leader of my life. Be number one, and with the best way I know how, I'm going to serve you for the rest of my life. And let this be your moment where everything changes. There are moments that are more important than other moments, and this is one of those moments. The Bible says that when you invite Jesus to be the forgiver and leader of your life, you pass from death to life. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. And the love of the Father begins to be poured out on you. 